Hello, my name's Jerry Padfield and you're listening to my PhD cast. Welcome to the PhD cast. This is going to be a series of reflections in podcast form on my PhD journey at the University of Falmouth. I'll also be talking each time to a podcast or broadcast practitioner, both as a way of just entertaining you and also as a form of research, uh, because I'm interested in using podcasting as a research tool. Out of all the conversations I have over the series of this podcast, uh, new knowledge has come out of it and it's kind of informed my PhD in various ways. So the podcast is going to be over the course of the whole PhD and it's going to represent a quarter of a term or a year in each podcast. So there are four quarters in the uh, academic year for researchers. I'm also going to be using some of the techniques that I use in my uh research which means using lo-fi devices recording on phones and old laptops um, using open source software to do the recording and editing and using some of the kind of platforms to publish as well so what i'm researching at falmouth university is well my initial idea is to look at community radio so i my background is i was a musician and a sound engineer and then i kind of through having the sound engineering degree fell into a job at a community radio station in Falmouth in Cornwall. And that's where I kind of found my passion for broadcasting and community radio. Um, And as a result of that job, I had to train well over 100 people during my time there. And I noticed that the training and the participation in community radio was benefiting people in uh, mental health and mental well-being terms, uh, not least myself. I also noticed that there was like a demographic uh, problem at community radio, at least the ones that I was involved with, in terms that there was a certain demographic that was very well represented, i.e. middle-aged blokes with record collections, and others weren't so well represented. Uh, That includes women, um, young people, old people, people with disabilities and people with mental health problems. So when the job at the radio station ended due to lack of funds, I decided to go a bit of travelling and then I ended up back in academia and that's because I had this this idea going on in the back of my head which had germinated through the work at the radio station which was what if you looked at ways to get people involved in community radio who aren't currently well represented in order to allow them to get the associated um, benefits of participation i.e. improved mental health and well-being. And so I did an MA in Scotland, and then I was finally accepted for funding um, with the 3D3 um, stream of funding at Falmouth University to do the PhD here. The ways that I'm looking at um, getting people involved, um, well, I'm at the very early beginning (laughs) point of my PhD here, so the the initial application has been that I'm going to work with with three community radio stations in Cornwall, testing a bit of technology called WebRTC. 
Now WebRTC is a bit of technology that allows you to send audio and video via a web page basically so that's peer-to-peer -peer, which means that somebody like me who is a programmer but you know of limited knowledge uh, can program an application on their own without the need for a whole team to develop an app in a cross-platform application like Skype using you know C Sharp, C++, languages like that and having to develop for multiple platforms. Because uh, a browser like Chrome is already available on multiple platforms um, i.e. Apple, Linux, Windows, uh, Android, iPhone. It's possible to develop once um, using this simplified application programming interface in JavaScript and distribute it across a whole number of um, devices. And this will be useful because it will allow people to broadcast from their own homes and locations and communities without the need to go to a centralized studio and that there are some barriers to going to a centralized studio for people. They can be uh, logistical barriers like transport. So in a place like Cornwall, which is very rural, there's bad public transport and it's very expensive. Uh, or it can be things like childcare. So if you're a young mum and you've got children to look after, you just you just can't go to a studio and have them running around. There's no care. There's no childcare facilities. And it can also be things like social anxiety or mental health uh, worries. And it can be even things like the kind of a male dominated atmosphere can turn women off from coming back because they feel like it's not for them. So this would allow people not to encounter some of those difficulties and in, um, allow them to participate and get that voice on the, on the community radio. So um, that was my initial application. I was thank oh, luckily I was accepted. Um, and this podcast is kind of document my journey through the PhD. Um, so initial thoughts have been in this first kind of quarter now. Um, well, I started with very little actually idea really of what a PhD is. I think a lot of initial PhD students do. They have an idea that it's research and it's a continuation of the work they've been doing. Um, like for example, I just came from my MA. I, I got the place before my MA had finished, and so I approached the PhD with like loads of enthusiasm and be like, you know, this is I'm doing this work. I want to continue doing it, and it's kind of been a bit of a um, a check, if you like, because I've now I'm having to kind of readjust to the idea of no, you're not going to do any work, any practice for quite a while, so you have to go back and look at the books and read and really get to know your subject and. Also at this stage, there's a very heavy emphasis on, um, you know, broadening your outlook. So you've come with an idea, you almost not discard the idea, but use that as a basis for exploration around the subject that you're looking at. So think about ideas that are around the subject and read them and then read on something that interests you in that reading so that you can kind of expand your horizons, if you like. And then the idea is that once you've done that, your original idea will be informed, but it also might change. And that's where you uh, drill deep, as they call it, where you kind of focus on a very particular niche and then you go really in depth into that um, area because you really know it really well and you, your critical framework is super strong and you really know what you're talking about. So uh, it's been kind of uh, a bit of a challenge, I suppose, because it's going into a different uh, environment from an MA, which is very much kind of Although it's not as uh, teachy as a degree, let's say, um, you are left to your own devices a bit more, but you're still kind of checked at every point. You have hand-ins, you have multiple hand-ins, so, you know, if you don't meet them, your your progress is pretty obviously uh, not happening. Whereas with a PhD so far, it's just kind of been 
you know, a couple of uh, workshops a month and the rest of the time you're off, you know, you're doing your own thing. You, you speak to your supervisors and you, you know, let them know how you're going. But basically it's all down to you. So um, it's, you're very much self-motivated and you've got like this huge <laughs> three years ahead of you or more, more even, which you have to kind of uh, organise yourself. So I've met my supervisors. My uh, main supervisor is called Danielle Barrios O'Neill and she's very helpful and very nice and i also have a supervisor called neil fox who's a podcasting guru um who will be very helpful in terms of uh, podcasting but also in terms of uh, time management i think and then there's david Pryor, who is kind of the in charge of all the research at falmouth university um he's there almost in a kind of uh, honorary capacity because He's so busy, but he is very useful to have on the team. I also have a um, advisor in the shape of Richard Brown, who's currently completing his PhD and has a lot of experience in kind of art practice. So I'm happy with my team, and I have to say I'm very happy with Falmouth University's kind of onboarding and the the support you get from the administration and the kind of uh, work we've been doing in the the lectures and the workshops have been has been really helpful, and I think that's really kind of um, been very supportive and much more supportive than the former university I was at I have to say so in, in ter- those terms I recommend Falmouth University for doing a research project with a PhD it seems that there's going to be a lot of emphasis on being left to your own devices and just checking in so um, it's good at this stage to be able to meet all the other uh, PhD students even though they're interests are completely diverse and very different indeed um so this initial three four months has been kind of getting to terms actually with what a phd is so there's one thing that's on the horizon which we have to do which is called um, an application for registration which is basically where you are formally registered on a phd course so at this stage you're you're not even registered as a a PhD student formally you're kind of registered as a student who might become a PhD student and this is an exercise in preparing your idea in a more informed way I guess so you're having to show that you've read around the subject you've got a critical framework you know what you're talking about and you're going to you know, have to do very concise so it's only a thousand words so you have to be able to describe your idea in a very concise way and also show a broad uh, critical framework that you're basing your work on that's on the horizon that's our, that'll be uh, February I think that I'll have to submit that it's already coming together I think one of the things I'm good at is describing my idea in different ways I think and that's why I'm on the PhD in the first place so my idea as I've said before is working community radio broadening participation using technology using WebRTC I'm going to collaborate with uh, different individuals each of these radio stations to see if my practice how the practice is informed and how that turns into radio content and how that allows people to be involved in if they wouldn't have been in the first place and so uh, that's my kind of uh, PhD experience so far it's very much a case of uh, kind of running to catch up and get my brain around what the PhD is in the first place um, but it, in the good news there was a Pecha Kucha session and I was very happy to win £20 voucher to for doing a good Pecha Kucha which uh, helps me with my kind of uh, anxiety about being a good, uh, about giving good presentations. And Christmas break is here and, you know, three or four months in, I here I am, I'm still on the PhD. I'm kind of, you know, getting my feet. He's looking forward to next quarter.
So this episode's interview is with Helen Moore. Helen is editor-in-chief of Client Culture magazine, uh, an arts magazine based in Plymouth, describing the art scene there. Uh, Client Culture also features a podcast alongside the magazine, which is why I talked to Helen about the affordances of podcasting versus written text, uh, the future of podcasting, and what she sees as the advantages of podcasting. Right, so I'm here with um, in Plymouth with Helen Moore, who is um, editor-in-chief of Client Culture magazine and also Client Culture podcast. That's correct, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say about yourself? Um, well... I am, um, I mean, you've covered the client culture side of what I do, but my background is in art, um, craft, writing, that kind of stuff. What's, what does client culture deal with then? What's the remit? So client culture um, is an antidote to a consumerist-led lifestyle um, and is in a reaction to that, to being seen as a a client in society. Um, And it originally came from that encroaching in the education system. So um, me and my friend Anne-Marie Barla started up the magazine um, in Cornwall. And it was a reaction to becoming a student and then becoming a cleaner on the same campus and seeing the behind the scenes working of that campus and not feeling completely entirely happy with students being uh, referred to as clients. So that's where it came from. So it's all about asking questions about that. Well, I'm particularly interested in podcasting, and this is what this this podcast is about. So why did you decide to have a podcast as part of Client Culture? Client Culture is a physical publication, um, and therefore it has costs for printing. Um, and it's a small run publication as well so that uh, the costs are higher than with something like Vogue or something like that um, so we have to charge money for the magazine um, and I wanted a way of making it more um, accessible the ideas and the conversation that we were having so I wanted a free version of client culture um, to be available but also to allow for extensions of thought outside of the magazine and being able to talk to more people different people and also connect it to the magazine so there's images images in client culture which are there and then the actual interview with connected to those images are on the podcast so they're kind of interconnected what's what does the medium of podcasting so like the audio aspect of it and what does that add that the magazine, or the written text magazine, doesn't provide? Well, it, I think when you listen to someone's voice and them speaking, you get a more rounded idea of, of what is actually being said. So a lot of the time when you read something in an interview, um, you put your idea of what that person is like on onto them. Um, whereas if you actually listen to that person, you get more of an idea of who they are, um, and you hear all the little things that, um, you wouldn't get in text. So like on the internet, you see a lot of text from people and people getting all these arguments, um, because they're misunderstanding each other because it's communicating purely through, through text. Um, and I think that gives you... It can give you a much more personal understanding of what's being talked about. 
and it's a lot more yeah I would say it's a lot more personal you get you get a more sort of a, a better feeling from it I think one of the things one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast that we're recording now is the idea of podcast as a research tool so using podcasting as a way of finding things out I guess in a basic a simple way of putting it do you find that something that maybe that happens when you're recording interviews or putting the podcast together yeah I definitely I feel like it's a great excuse to meet people and talk to them um and it's such an accessible medium podcast like I mean community radio I've done a bit of that and I've done a bit of writing for that um but you you oftentimes have to go to the station and there's an access accessibility issue sometimes for some people um and at home you can make your podcast on your computer a lot of people have computers these days so um but there are still people that don't but you could get a dictaphone which is what do you use to record i use um a dictaphone really simple dictaphone um and you don't have any issues with quality or i personally don't have any issues with with quality i don't find that i need a massive expensive <coughs> kit to make a podcast which is also really good for me as a like um uh an independent artist it's good to keep costs on i i edit on audacity which is a free platform um and it keeps costs low where do you publish at the moment i publish on mixcloud but i know that there's a huge kind of community of people Mm. who create podcasts in different spaces um, like there's an app on my phone I can go and look at podcasts and search podcasts. Yeah. And I would go to that because it's just naturally on my I think phone. You might be better because your actually your podcasts don't contain any copyrighted work, do they? Like music. No. So you, well, they have music. Yeah, but it's not copyrighted. The artists give you permission. To yeah, use. the artists give me permission. So you would be probably better off publishing on a podcast platform like Podbean or Anchor. Because then you would then be able to distribute it across Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, and so anyone with a phone, smartphone, would then be able to access it. With Mixcloud, which is great if you've got copyrighted music, the the problem is people have to go and search you out or be on the Mixcloud cloud platform already. Whereas mm. you, if you put yourself on, uh, I would say Anchor because it's super easy. You can then publish and distribute across all kind of Android and Apple phones and devices. Oh, okay, I didn't know so it that. Might be worth doing that for you. It would be worth doing that definitely. Do you find that in like because you obviously you go in and record these interviews and some of them will become like you will edit for the magazine the text and some maybe even the same conversation you publish on the podcast. What's the difference in that process with the editing of the audio and the and the and the kind of translation of that audio and editing into a text article um i've not used the same interview for podcast and text right so they're 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 very different they've got different material on them but obviously i edit both from dictaphone so i i I edit the interviews in the magazine from listening to dictaphone transcribing um I mean, for me, transcribing takes a long time, um, and I I do see the benefit in sitting down and, and reading, and that's why I like it. But there is also a benefit of of sitting down and listening to a podcast and 
the other thing is is that you can be very hands-free with a podcast you just put it on and you can get on with other things around the house um which i think people like to do whereas with a magazine you're sitting down you you know um both have their positives um for different reasons um but i yeah for me text takes a lot longer to write out um and i will edit that you know, down to a reasonable chunk of writing. Um, but with podcasts, it's very much more instant. It's it's easier to edit. You edit it down. You might have a lot of kind of um, sniffles that you need to edit out or coughs. That's the thing that I have to do a lot. Um, but that's fine. That's it's, it's doable. But yeah, it's much more personal, a podcast, and it's it's a lot more accessible these days to be able to make your own podcast. It's a bit like when you would make your own radio show on a tape, you know, on your tape recorder at home. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a universal experience, but yeah. Okay, for someone my age, you know, you'd have your tape, your analogue tape. Like everything you have to say, it's analogue now, don't you? So you have your analogue tape, you put that in you record things off the radio and you make your own radio show and that's really fun and creative and now you can do that really easily on your computer with a podcast and I mean a podcast doesn't have to be how I use it like it doesn't have to be an interview or about a certain subject it can just be lots of bands you like and you might say something or not but you can make it your own it's a a very creative process I think which is fun it is fun, you find it fun. The editing process is probably more fun, yeah. Because you can do more things, you can play around with the sound, you can put sound effects on it. Do you do stuff like that as part of your podcast? Not as part of my podcast, but obviously when I did radio before, we would edit that and put sound effects on it because we were doing a play and things like that, and that can be really fun. You could do a podcast about plays. and It's just nice, it's a bit more punk, you know, it's a bit like zines or tapes where you're making your own stuff and it's it's creative and accessible at the same time. Do you use the kind of interactive aspect of it where you can publish links to all the people that are involved and, you know, further resources? Well, about the people who I interview, I'll tag them because I'll share it on social media. And so it's about, for me, my project is, is about raising the profile of other artists as well, local artists. So um, they're all local artists in the magazine, but all the musicians on the podcast are also local musicians. Um, and um, yeah, so it's kind of tagging them and putting links to their Facebook if they're on Facebook or Instagram if they're on Instagram, depending on what sort of social media platform they're using. Have you had any feedback? On the podcasts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have actually. I've had some really positive feedback. Um, I guess for this, the most relevant feedback I had was someone said to me, oh, I finally get your project <laughs> when they listened to the third podcast. And it it was because um, the person in the podcast was more relevant to the subject that I'm looking at. Um but also they had read the magazine and it had already been in there, but they got, because it was a conversation between the two of us and it was the sort of conversation where we were both discussing the idea and what we're doing with our projects that were similar, I think it gave them like a more sort of rounded view of what was 
it was all about and it was just like a a conversation that they could get into a bit more you know conversations come up a couple of times now and it's like not only the conversational aspect of the interview process like we're having a conversation now but maybe the, there's something about podcasting which is a conversation between the creator and the audience where because it's a you know like a doesn't have to be regular but like a thing that's published every so often that the audience can interact with the creator and get feedback yeah you know, online yeah. yeah and I think a lot of like younger makers really really listen to the feedback mm. um, which I think can be a double sided um, sword yeah, double-edged sword. Yeah. Double-edged sword. If you listen to too much feedback, you almost lose your independent voice and you become more like a corporate kind of company that is always looking to what the customer wants rather than your independent like artistic voice. But it's also really useful to get... Like, you would have a crit at college about your work. It's good to get feedback and it's good to have that, you know, that kind of interaction... I think to a certain level, but um, well, considering um, editing, you know, with a podcast, there's things that I would keep in a podcast that I would edit out of text because to read it, yeah. um, either it doesn't come across because you can't hear the different tones of the voice and it actually reads completely different or it, it, it doesn't matter in text, like yeah, whereas in audio it's more impactful. With a magazine, especially, you'd have to be much more concise. With a podcast, there's no, yeah. like, you don't have to fit. You don't have to fit it into half an hour or an hour. You can just it can be as long as you think it's entertaining. Yeah, and you can split it up with music, which yeah. makes it a lot easier to digest. Whereas some of the writing that I do is quite long, and it's like you kind of, um, you know, you have to like sitting there, and it can be quite. Um, time more, consuming, it, I guess. And magazines are more, I guess, I, want, I was going to say interactive, but I don't mean it in the terms of like the internet. I mean, the the person who is looking at the magazine has to focus their attention on it mm. and pay, and kind of put in some work to like mm -hmm. understanding and and interpreting the words on the page. Reading is takes work. Whereas a podcast is like you say, you can just leave it. You can go. You be on the bus to work. Yeah. Have it on your headphones and just, it just sort of, it's like listening to eavesdropping on a conversation. It's much more, yeah, it's much more accessible in many ways. Like that, that's one of the ways that it's more, you're more likely to listen to a podcast and sit down and read, probably. Um, and I think as well with text, you edit it down so that it's not so much to take in. Whereas a podcast, you probably, you know, you have to think about timing because maybe, you know, you don't... For me, it was really useful to put, like, with a long interview of lots of information to be able to put songs or poetry, something different, so that you just had variety, so that you weren't getting bored, and so you weren't taking in the information about the subject as much. So that was really good, that you, you can put those in, you know, and that's part of that, like, creative process of working with a podcast, I think. You've mentioned zines, and I, like for me, like what one of the big uh, things that appeals to me about podcasts is that kind of punk thing of, you know, anyone can do it, and, and giving like access to the tools of media production to people who traditionally haven't. Mm. So, but you then the, the magazine is kind of in that style as well, isn't it? So, but you are you saying that podcasting is even more 
in that vein? Now I'm thinking about it, I feel that podcasting is one of the good things that have come out of um, uh, the the madness of the internet. Um, because it's another way that you can put a... Uh, a structure around having your own voice okay so I mean being on the radio is very very difficult for a lot you know or radio one um, or something like that that's like oh my god that's for the lucky few being on community radio obviously is a lot more accessible but podcasts is literally you don't have to join a community radio you can be anyone completely um, on your own and do it and do it about whatever you like there's no structure so you can be like you really have like a freedom to do whatever you want within that realm which is quite exciting I think I mean now I'm thinking about no there's no one that I had to ask permission from to do what I wanted and I think that gives people a lot of freedom and actually probably you know podcasts have become quite popular I think I've realized um and a lot of more uh, celebrities and those sort of people that have got really frustrated with the the world that they've been in, which actually a lot of us would look at as quite successful, have turned to podcasts, which well, is very their free. Their message can come through unfiltered completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things that worry, or several things about that that worry me, but one of the things that worries me about that is that the kind of the initial stage of podcasting was that kind of like anyone can make it and you just have just as much chance of success if you create something interesting if you just somebody in their bedroom doing it or somebody with a bit of money behind them as long as you do something that's interesting to listen to mm. but now this it's becoming where because people have recognized there's money in it you are getting celebrities that they're not doing it because they have a passion for podcasting they just their agent says to them look you realize if you put a stuck a podcast out every month you'd get you know 20,000 subscribers and then your advertising revenue would be this amount of money so and again and the big boys in terms of the media conglomerates are coming in and the BBC has now got its own podcast site the Google and Apple have, have separated out um, the podcast you know Apple now doesn't integrate podcasts into iTunes it's now its own app you know all these signs are pointing to the fact that podcasting is becoming yeah not necessarily controlled because you can still put your podcast out as a independent producer but actually will you be heard well yeah and I think what's it what I guess I can say about that is something I've been thinking about recently uh, because of the political situation okay it's really easy oh god this is going to sound so contrived I think it's really easy right to look at politicians and be like why is there a bunch of this type of people in power and I was thinking about this last night, um, and most people that I meet are nice people. The people that I find that are a bit more difficult are really buying into the environment that we've all been put into. So they really are on board with the environment that has been created for us to come up in um, uh, and are reacting to that environment rather than being you know actually just a terrible person like you have this idea that 
some people are good and some people are bad, but actually I'm coming around to the idea that it's the environment that we're creating for them that matters more. So to apply that to podcasts, um, I think the interesting thing about zines and podcasting, the beginning of podcasting and that sort of thing, is that the environment hasn't been taken over at that point so there's no competition which has been created between us and there's no hierarchy that is being created between us we're just creators and we're all creating and if someone get, is good you're like it's because of the quality of their work and you respect them um, but as soon as someone else comes in and you can see that someone's getting money which is that part of that structure that we're that put into that it doesn't change it, it that that sort of change can have an effect on the people wanting to be creative and wanting to make something the and motivations change the motivation has massively changed so you know I, I know for me if money comes into my work I'm always worried about the change that that has on me as, as a creative person and, and what I'm going to produce. Not that I don't want to be paid, but I don't want that to be the the thing that is driving me. And I think that's what will happen as soon as something gets popular and money gets involved is there's that... It's, I don't want to say, for want of a better word, that kind of purity of making is almost lost, but it's unfortunately lost for everyone because everyone is aware that money is involved now. And even if you're a really good creator, and a, you, you're going to get disappointed suddenly because now there's this new competition or there's this new money thing that's come into it. So suddenly you're starting to feel bad that you're not doing as well as these people or that sort of thing. So you need a platform where that's not happening for podcasting, basically, where it's more of a level playing field again, I would say. That makes sense. Yeah, this is what's evolving at the moment. Is this? It's changing because of the yeah. because of money, but also, you know, people, there are a, a substantial amount of people who have been into podcasting for a very long time who don't want it to go along the commercial lines, and and that's exactly what they want to maintain is this idea of a level playing field for everybody. Um, and then there's other like what Family University, where I am, is um, trying to set up a, an idea of like research through podcasting where there'll be a platform which exists where you can embed you know the links and comments in in the actual audio file so you can you know as it's like a more than just a audio file it's like a whole resource and a mm. conversation which when you re read a paper around a subject can be very dry and some difficult to get into whereas with a podcast it's it's two people having a usually or more having a conversation and it's much more easy to somehow just to let that knowledge go into you yeah that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah I think it would be great for education mm. that kind of it would be another added benefit for education definitely and it kind of ties in with it makes me think of uh, oral history the community groups that create oral history and I guess the thing is is that it becomes like such a level playing field that where does the um, survival aspect come into it? You know, how do people start, A, being appreciated, but keep whilst keeping that level of playing field for people um, and 
making a living from it somehow. I don't know. And it, it, it's, it's like an impossible question to ask, really. Well, it's just something to contemplate, isn't it? Well, something else that is, there's no right answer to, but maybe interesting to hear what you think. It's, um, it's the, like the aesthetic, it's not necessarily podcasts, of audio as opposed to other media, like so the magazine, printed text, the, even like YouTube videos, if we're having this same conversation and it was, and there was video of us, and, and the fact that I'm now looking at you as I'm having this conversation, it's a very different experience from when I will listen to this in some headphones mm. at a later date when I've edited it. Mm-hmm. And, there's, and it, it was really, a, it's surprising how much of a different experience it is really. And I guess it's like the whole medium is a message thing as well, isn't it? It's like, how that affects the experience of listening to it. And, mm. yeah, I just wondered if you had any, anything to say about that, really. Well, it's interesting you, you bring YouTube up because I was just thinking about YouTube and um, how it very much started off exactly the same way. as people making stuff for yeah. themselves, DIY, and now it's become like this whole corporate blimmin' out. It's like a nightmare sometimes being on YouTube and seeing what people are making, for me, because they are... The thing about YouTube as well is that they're so obsessed with the feedback thing, like we were talking mm. about earlier, is they just want to stay popular. Like, they'll do anything to stay popular, and they and it comes across as dis, disingenuous because they, they will change their whole creative output just to be popular mm. or to have the like thing mm. is the most... I don't know where this came from. I mean, the like thing on, like, YouTube and the like thing on... Facebook is just so so toxic, you know, that you can see this well, like I'm so liked and you're just like is, though, it's not it's the what actually drives the likes is controversy. So and this is what's come out of Facebook in particular is that the way to get likes and attention is to say something controversial, not necessarily something accurate or insightful mm. or useful, but anything controversial will get interaction. Oh, yeah, definitely, you know, that's... So you better say something controversial. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the way, though, isn't it? That's why people like soap operas and mm. it's a bit of drama and people like a bit... There's nothing wrong with like liking a bit of drama. I mean, Shakespeare was drama <laughs> without wanting to sound like a he complete... He got a lot of likes, to be fair. He got lots of likes. But the thing is, it's like, you know, it's like you're quantifying your your likedness your you can count it you can count how many likes you get you can count how much someone likes you and that matters to people and you can measure it against like a previous episode or something and you go all oh, that episode was better yeah. because i got more or your likes. friend yeah you know you know i've had people yeah. tell me you... oh i didn't get very many likes on this post and i'm and they feel genuinely disappointed and i'm just like well did you you did you need those likes to kind of feel that it was worthwhile then or well, there's something here about like artistic um, how do you measure artistic worth and I don't think it's ever, ever been something that's been resolved but I mean it, I, in the past that would I guess be like pounds shilling and pence so like money. Van Gogh was the or the sunflowers was the most expensive painting so therefore he's the best artist the world has ever seen and now we're in a situation where you know oh I got. 2.5 million likes on that YouTube video 
So it's better than this one over here that's got 100. Yeah, but they're also they're thinking monetarily because businesses now see the benefit of having their products in the video. So if you go to them and say, I have a million, fo like 20 million followers, they will give you money to do an advert for them. So it's like a business of, of, through likes, through popularity. And you, it was now people can make themselves into a star using very DIY methods, which is something that we're all about. We're all about, you know, creating DIY, blah, blah, blah. And actually they are using those methods and becoming really kind of popular. So when does it not become that anymore? Because actually they are still just doing that. They're still oh, yeah. doing that kind of that thing. So. But I wonder how actually how, because that makes it sound quite democratic. But I wonder how mm. democratic it actually is. It's a bit like, you know, looking at Donald, well, not Donald Trump, he's a bad example. Looking at um, Alan Sugar, who came from a council estate to being a multimillionaire and saying, look, you, Rags too, riches. you too could be a multimillionaire. But yeah. that's, you know, the likelihood of that actually happening is less than winning the lottery in yeah. reality. But when we hold these people up as people to to emulate, we're saying is that it can you can do it. All you need to do is work hard enough. And I, I don't know if that's true. Mm. I think maybe there's something in the in the in the same with like YouTube and podcasting in that we're saying, look, that person there just did a, pop, a podcast from their bedroom and now they earn you know a million pounds a month from oh, yeah. advertising. There's but actually, the likelihood of that happening, yeah, even if you produce the same content of the same standard, is mm. like you might as well go and buy a lottery ticket. Well, yeah, but you can take, like you were saying, you can take a short, sort of a shortcut to that, can't you, by being controversial or playing into that human... Is that what you want, though? <laughs> no, not me, but, I mean, you can do that and play into those human needs and wants and quite easily be suddenly... Uh, not easily, but you can choose to do that easily. Um, if that's what you, you want is success... Something that's kind that's of driver. what this conversation is saying to me is that this podcasting is a social medium. It it belongs in social media in a way that, say, community radio doesn't. So community radio has social media around it, but actually the content is not social media. In I know it's medium, which is talking in a social way, but it's not mm. what we consider social media on the internet. Mm -hmm. Whereas podcasting is, from what we're saying, because we're talking about likes and subscribers and advertising revenue and all the things that you associate with Facebook and Instagram and, and things like that. Well, it yeah, it's kind of exists on the internet, doesn't it, podcasting, whereas radio, you can turn the radio, the community radio, you can turn the radio on and it's not, not you can yeah, listen to Source of online. People are but interacting with podcasting in a way that they do with social media. Yeah. Well, maybe it's more passive when you're listening on the bus, but I mean, podcasts are measured more in like subscriber counts, so if you've got you know. Or how many listens you can record? How many people have listened? Because I mean, I look at how many people have listened to a podcast and mm. that sort of thing. Exactly. If you and I'm like, oh, that's good because my, you know, people you are listening to my message. With twenty thousand subscribers, you can go to an advertiser and say, look, every time I release something, twenty thousand people download it mm. onto their phone. Do you want to get the, your content onto twenty thousand phones? Well, this is the new economics of our time, though, isn't it? This is how people are going to turn the internet into business so building on that what for you is the future of podcasting both personally and and kind of speculatively for me podcasting in the future is an opportunity to 
talk about things that I find interesting that maybe aren't popular, but still put that out there and have a good time with friends and be creative, which is something that I personally want and need to do. Um, but that's not going to be the future. So the future, oh, I don't know. Uh, it, there'll be one, I guess, social platform that will come forward. So it'll be like YouTube is the big one for video. Um, and then I guess Luminary at the moment is trying to be one for podcasting. You know, someone's going to try and dominate the market. So like Facebook dominates What's, social media the, a lot. There's been a worry that because the BBC used to publish a podcast through um, other platforms and they've now stopped doing that and it's only on the BBC and there's a worry that this is what's going to happen. It's going to kind of fragment a bit like, um, you know, uh, streaming like Netflix. You, you don't get HBO on Netflix and vice versa. Mm. And that, and people are starting to complain. Why do I have to sign up to all these different yeah. streaming services? Maybe that's, you know, that's a problem that might happen to podcasting too. Do you know what I heard though, which might be interesting, the other day, um, my friend who works at Dartington Cinema she programs the events there and she goes to all the big meetings for people who program cinema and stuff. Um, and she said that Netflix are planning on buying um, uh, a cinema chain. Oh, yeah. And she said the idea might be that they start showing shows, or television shows in the cinema. They have that kind of... All right. So that's an experience. They're going into the experience... World and my own personal work that I've been looking at for art projects, um, and which has just happened here at the Barcode Cinema, is that they put miniature golf into the complex alongside the shops and things because they know I don't know how relevant this is, but they know that if there's an experience that people can have fun with their family and they will stay in that shopping centre longer they're more likely to spend their money. Culture is a limited project, mm -hmm. magazine at least. What Are you going to continue podcasting after you? It's a lot easier to do podcasting than to create a magazine and a physical magazine the way that I've been doing it. You didn't answer my question though, did you? What, am I going to continue are with... Are going to continue podcasting? I don't know. I had thought about it, but I'm not entirely sure at the moment. I don't know. I've thought about doing podcasts about gardening. I like gardening as well. I like the, for me, it's a, creatively, it's quite an interesting medium because I, I heard um, someone that, they had a, ra a radio show um, and they just put the dictaphone on the floor and left it to record whilst they walked around doing stuff around the house. And I just thought that was really hilarious and kind of, I like the idea that I could do my my ideas can go a bit wild and I can do anything on a podcast. There's that, like, freedom there, you know. I don't know, I don't know. There's lots of different ways of conceptualising media and producing media and putting it out there. But what do you think the future is? I mean, you're doing a PhD, uh, so... Well, that's what I'm looking into. I couldn't tell you. But I think that they're, what people would like is for it to converge around one... Well, for, ideally, for me, it would be an open source platform. Mm -hmm. So there wouldn't, it wouldn't be you have to subscribe or pay a fee in order to publish because that would yeah. be terrible. And I, 
I kind of feel like it's going down the route of television and other media in which it's becoming a, a point where the people who have access to money and resources can get their stuff heard, whereas people who can't don't. But what remains is that you can, like you say, produce the content in a very, very, with almost no money, you can mm. produce content. Most people have got a smartphone now and you can use that to create a podcast um, with no other equipment. So, I mean, it is within, almost literally within the hands of everybody mm. to do a podcast. Um, but what worries me is that people will never, won't be hearing any of this content because um, BBC and uh, celebrities and you know, mm. other media, uh, Spotify has just bought Anchor, and is, which is one of the major podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. So they will end up being, in, you know, having enough money and resources to make sure everyone hears their content that they want people to hear and the people of the likes of you and me will not be heard by anyone but maybe that's because suddenly there's that environment of competition and actually it doesn't it never mattered anyway because yeah, well, the I mean, people that like your work probably wouldn't be that many anyway when it's just DIY and it doesn't matter if you look at the kind of one of the do you know what I mean? It all stem from punk, but it was the big explosion of DIY. Mm. If you look at the original, that original punk explosion where people were selling their motorbikes to go and print, uh, press a hundred records or whatever. Yeah. The vast majority of those bands, it was literally just their mates and a few other people that heard their music. So yeah, that's kind of what podcasting might. Become. Well, that's it's that idea, isn't it? Is of actually these people they're making lots of money and they get really popular, but actually does that suddenly matter because it exists did it really matter before and I I have you know I I question myself if I'd worry about anything like that because I I think you suddenly you're becoming part of it without really thinking about it and so it doesn't really matter actually small scale on the ground community you know creative people that is important but they need to realize they're important outside of that system that it's not to say that they shouldn't make a living or survive but we each also have to become more appreciative of that happening we can't all be um you know these asleep consumers who are just going to the most popular site because a lot you know for people like mark zuckerberg of facebook is who knows why it's popular he's everyone's like oh he's a genius I don't think he is I think he's just very lucky um and that's what will happen with podcasting is someone will just get lucky and everyone will go to that and because people want to be where the most people are that will naturally happen but there'll always be these little pockets of things going on and you, you either appreciate that or you don't and you know okay I Is think. there anything else you'd like to say? I don't know. Did that make sense? Yeah. Hopefully. It's a discussion. It's not. You don't have to make sense, really. It's just that we're kind of working through things, and that's part of what this podcast I'm doing is about. It's like it's a way of working through things. It's not about having somebody give a lecture or tell you how it is. It's about how having a discussion about things. Yeah. And working towards. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anything. Letting things be. Just yeah, happen. Just, just discuss around the subject. I mean, I really like. I do really like podcasts. I liked what you were saying about how different it is each medium because when uh, even though obviously the magazine is recorded um, 
on a dictaphone and the podcasts are recording recorded on a dictaphone I can tell that when I tell someone it's going to be on a podcast they're very aware of what they're saying all of a sudden and they're very aware of how they're coming across because you know we all know subconsciously that people are going to make a judgment about us like because we're on podcasts you know include including myself I'm trying to sound you know <laughs> like I know what I'm talking about a bit but in the magazine people relax so much more yeah. and also I tell them I'll edit this but I'll send it to you before it goes on it um, before it's in the magazine so you can check it and they can go back and they'll be like oh actually I didn't mean it like that or that reads wrong and they can change it and that makes them feel a lot more relaxed whereas on podcast that I think they're a little bit more on edge about how they're going to sound how they're going to come across which I think yeah. tells you a lot and on video, it's even worse because yeah. people direct, are like, <laughs> "Isn't it? It's more direct. There's no, you can't really deny that you said something." If yeah. people can hear the actual. Yeah, yeah, you can't word. deny it in in the written word. I think you can change it. It can be changed a lot more. I try and keep it as much to the interview as possible for that kind of reason, really. Um, I keep coming back yeah. though to this. Like, I know it's a big cliche in media, but. The medium is the message from Marshall McLuhan, which is, yeah. and it's really interesting how what you would consider maybe just a slight variation on radio with podcasting changes the interaction and the experience mm. of listening or consuming it in a massive way. And like we're talking about the internet, you know, and the internet as a medium is of, you know, the reason we're going through Brexit and Trump and Boris Johnson is because I I believe is because the internet is a medium which encourages antagonism and controversy and tribalism, mm. and that's where we are right now. Yeah, it's hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's hell being on the internet. It's absolutely horrible. We're the the guinea pigs of the internet generation. Yeah, we definitely are, and this and the internet is more than just one medium actually, because it's like a curation of a lot of them. So maybe we're talking about social media when we say that, but I think. <clears throat> podcasting is an interesting variation on that in that maybe it's because it's an experience of listening to a conversation it's less sound bitey it's less kind of reaction instant reaction and maybe it's kind of like a hope for the future that, that if people are listening to this which they are in increasing numbers mm. then we can have a internet which is less tribalistic yeah. and more yeah because it's considered. all text and it's easy to misunderstand people and it's more anonymous i mean if you're yeah. on a facebook page yeah. you can just write any old yeah nonsense to somebody you don't have to fact check it or like reference somebody you, you can just say whatever you like mm. whereas with an you know, with this po this recording, people are going to hear our voices, and you know, it's very it's much harder to for me to call you all the names under the sun, you know, in this conversation than it, than it is we would be on Facebook with that kind of barrier of you know an anonymity of not looking at the person of just typing into a exactly Jerry screen. I think. That's that's true because even though this might be listened to on the internet, we are still in a room speaking face to face. Um, so I can't really, you know. But even if you weren't, because this is, it would be quite possible for us to have this conversation just with two microphones. Mm. In you could do it over locations. Skype, I guess, but as well. We would still have that intimacy of like I wouldn't, I'd be much or you'd be. Oh yeah, much I think so. Be mean to me because we're having a 
proper conversation. I know you're still mean to me, but you know you'd be much much less likely. Yeah. <laughs> Should we call it a day there? Well, um, yeah. I mean, we could do if you want. I, I, don't, I, 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 I think it definitely each time it's it, the interaction is is changed. It's it's different. It's funny because like a lot of people say to me they put podcast thing that sort of thing on before they go to sleep. So it's almost like being read a story, you know, that and literally read a story sometimes. Um, and hearing someone's voice can be quite, I don't know, relaxing, it is, I find. It's quite an intimate thing mm. to hear a voice. Yeah, there's loads of tones, there's lots of accents, there's lots of... You get of, a sense of the, the, the human being yeah. by listening to a voice, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And imagine, like, you know... The opportunity for someone like yourself to go out to do research for podcasts and you decide to go to, because I know you're interested in mental health, you decide to go to a charity, obviously you ask their permission, and talk to them and put that on a podcast, how much more accessible that is for then people at home to listen to someone in that situation. You know, I guess, I don't know how you different differentiate that from TV I guess the person would be more relaxed because they're not on camera but s- still slightly mm. on edge because yeah, they're still on dictaphone yeah people know this is but there's there is a level taken away but also added so it's in the it's in the middle I feel like podcasting is and you know you can that makes it um like you know I'm very interested in accessibility so that's a, a accessibility tick for me that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, you could talk to anyone with a dictaphone and put it out there, basically, at this point. At this point, it's probably really good. But I think you're on, like, the cusp of the wave of it changing because we can already see that it changed with YouTube. So we can see what it could become. So it's how you kind of tackle it from that vantage point, I think. Many thanks for listening to my first PhD cast. Um, Next time I'll be talking about the second quarter, January to March, and I'll be interviewing Johanna Ruhr, who's an illustrator and researcher. She has a radio show on Source FM once a month called Guilty Pleasures. 